0: welcome to the clear admit mba admissions podcast i'm graham richmond and this is your wiretaps for monday july 4th 2022. i'm joined by alex brown from cornwall england Happy Independence Day, Alex. Who am I
1: independent <laughs> from? Very good.
0: Uh, well, okay, but you—you you lived in America. You must have celebrated the Fourth while you were living on on U.S. soil from time to time.
1: <laughs> nah, no, fanta- fantastic holiday, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and so I'm hoping that somewhere out there, this podcast is being played at a, you know, as someone's grilling up some burgers and dogs or, or whatever. We'll, we'll see. We haven't had anyone ever write to us and say that that's their favorite activity, you know, barbecuing while listening. But but we'll see. Um, so. In other news, though, how are things going generally? Because this is, I mean, you were mentioning to me that like some of these early decision or, sorry, deferred enrollment type programs are coming up on the horizon here. So what's what's cooking in the MBA admissions world?
1: Yeah, the outlier is Harvard. They're gonna release their um, two plus two decisions this upcoming week, actually, July 7th. So best of luck to those folks waiting on on that decision. I did see on Livewire, um, um um this this morning, actually, I the, this morning of the day we're recording, um, someone posted they just submitted their application to Colombia um, for early decision. So that ball is definitely rolling, um, and you know presumably it, we'll start to see some interview invites come out for Colombia um, here pretty soon, so yeah. For those, for those folks that are targeting next season, if you're looking at Columbia early decision, there is advantage of applying early within early decision. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, get, getting some response, and feedback, so that's very, very good. Little bit of movement maybe last week on the wait list I seem to remember seeing one or two. Yeah, I saw some um, <laughs> little bits, little bits of activity. So, so yeah, there's still a little movement, but yeah, we're we're mostly focused now. Um, Going forward, yeah,
0: makes sense. Uh, And we keep you know keep checking on the essay uh, releases and the deadlines, and you can get all that stuff on our website. Uh, Alex, I guess before we dive in today, you were going to ask me some questions. We've been having fun doing these kind of real humans questions that we normally ask admissions directors who come on the show. Uh, or, you know, sometimes we ask uh, current candidates or, or current uh, recent graduates and things, but we had have, have, having some fun asking each other. So do you remember the questions that I asked you last week? I sent them to you at some point.
1: They're written down right in front of me, Graham. Uh,
0: all right. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's go through those and then we'll get into kind of what's going on on the website and, and then into our wiretaps candidates.
1: Can I swap the order or you, you only can answer them in the right order?
0: No, no, you can, you can ask me in whatever order. I, I'd like to say I have like a complete prepared <laughs> thing, but I, I <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, um, I sent them to you and then I said to myself, oh, I'll look at these questions and figure it out. But I, I'm a little underprepared. We'll see how it goes.
1: <laughs> Beach or mountains?
0: I guess I would say mountains. I mean, I do like both, but I'm, I do like skiing. So mountains draw me and I'm not a huge fan of hot, hot weather. So I would say
1: mountains. I like hiking and skiing. Very good. Very good. Morning person or night owl?
0: Ah, yeah, this one is tricky just because, I I mean, if it were up to me, I would get up at eight in the morning and go to bed around midnight. So I don't know if that makes me a night owl or a morning person or just sort of in between. I can't, I can't, I'm not one of those people that can stay up all night working or, you know, or partying or something, but I'm definitely also not like you. I don't get up at, you know, what time do you wake up five or six or
1: something? As you say, relative to me, you are a night owl. Right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So there you go. (laughs) Very good. Very good. What's your happy place?
0: Uh, boy, uh, I would say this is silly given that I live in a city and do not own a car, but there is something I love about being behind the wheel of a car on a country road, ideally with some fairly loud music playing as I, as I drive on some windy, you know, roads and stuff. Is that Panama? The music that would be playing? No, I know. I actually never, <laughs> I really don't listen to the, <laughs> to my own band, but I, I mean, I listen, to all kinds of music and, and love music. And yeah, I just love that feel of being you know, kind of behind the wheel. Maybe, maybe the windows are down. It's a nice day out. That kind of thing.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Guilty pleasure. Uh,
0: I would say candy. I mean, this is terrible. And my my kids. You know, I'm always telling them, don't eat. You know, don't eat. Um, gummy bears or whatever but i, I you know often kind of hide and then sneak that stuff when i'm <laughs> like you know like i'll, I'll just have on my desk like a little bag of you know candy or something and kids often then discover it i usually see a trail of of cake crumbs or whatever but
1: I, i'm currently eating heavy cake
0: oh nice yeah well,
1: that's yeah good. <laughs> yeah look
0: that up well isn't that, that like pound cake or no is it something different
1: it could be who knows it's probably this not up. very good for me yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah and finally your proudest moment
0: boy uh i mean i'm pretty proud of clear admit like every once in a while i kind of step back and say wow you know we built this company and it's uh you know stuff like livewire just coming up with these ideas and then seeing them get into sort of into action and 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 being popular with with users and you know kind of members of our community so I would say, yeah, I mean, just building a company that's been around this long has been a really proud, it's not really a moment, but a proud accomplishment, I guess. And, w- and then the only other thing, go
1: ahead, sorry. <laughs> well, let's keep on the ClearMit theme. You can do the other thing at another time, otherwise yeah. we'll think. But I do remember on one occasion, we, we did a major pivot. Yes. <laughs> and frankly, I was like, well, I'll be with ClearMit for about another year, i got to start looking for something else. <laughs> this isn't going to be good. Yeah. So huge props for making what was a significant pivot and, and weathering the storm of the pivot, I would say. Yeah. And, and coming out the other side.
0: Yeah. And I think some of our listeners don't know. I mean, it clear admit it used to just be an admissions consulting firm. I mean, literally, you know, we would take on a set of, you know, several hundred clients each year and we had a whole staff that would work with those um, candidates and help them improve their applications to get into top schools but we pivoted out of that because we realized that our website was growing so rapidly and that we could build a model where schools paid us um, to have access to candidates with advertising and, and things like that. So, yeah, so we completely changed the business model. And yeah, uh, you're not the only one who thought it was a little crazy at the time, but we've, yeah, we've kind of um, really emerged on the other side for the better, I think. So it's been a lot of fun. No, no, absolutely <laughs> fantastic.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you, some, somewhat related to this, our trip to London, what, two months ago now?
0: Yeah, sometime in April,
1: yeah. Is, was deliberate to potentially work on a new um, initiative for Clear Admit. Do you want to share a little bit about that, Graham?
0: Yeah, I mean, I had a, yeah, we, as our kind of loyal listeners know, we spent a week together in London and we mentioned we were working on a kind of top secret project. And yeah, I don't know how much we want to reveal at this point, but we're literally a couple of weeks away from unveiling something new that's going to be on offer to applicants that we think is game changing and, and going to be uh, a lot of fun. And I don't know, I mean, what should we say about it, Alex? I'm a little, I don't know how much we want to reveal. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm excited. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we shall see if candidates become excited or become, I mean, what 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 I could say about Clear Admit over the years, um, we've been, I think we've been very good at innovating, i.e. doing some different things, mm-hmm. launching new tools. Not everything has worked. So we've been pretty good at killing stuff that didn't work yeah. to keep us going forward. And I think any sort of entrepreneurial business has to have that. Um, sort of insight. You've got to continue to take risks, but you've got to know when to cut your losses. So I'll be curious to see if this sits in the win column or the loss column. And we (laughs) won't know for about another six months, but I'm pretty excited.
0: Yeah, me too. So everyone stay tuned. We'll get more details next week, I think is probably the goal. And then yeah, that'll we've got something cool coming in down the pipeline. That's actually for our listeners and for people on the website. So yeah. it, it'll be interesting. Um, okay. So over on the website, before we move in and talk about our candidates for this week, I just wanted to highlight a few things. We've started our admissions director Q&As on the website. These are just written kind of interviews that we conduct with all the leading admissions officers from, you know, top schools. So the first one this year is Lisa Rios from NYU Stern. She actually was on the podcast not too long ago, but she just, um, did an interview with Lauren, our editor in chief, uh, over on the website. And, you know, she mentioned, it's funny, we always ask them to just tell us something that we don't know or, or something they want to underline about their program. I mean, we also asked them a lot of questions about their essays or their application process. But when we asked her this, like, what's this one thing that, um, people don't maybe know, she said, In addition to being connected to New York City and industry, Stern is a deeply connected community, an aspect of the culture that students take great pride in and influence directly. The people are also the reason that I have worked at Stern for nearly 15 years, Relationship building starts right from the beginning of the admissions process where applicants can schedule virtual chats with a current Sterny to learn about the experience from their perspective. And I I just want to mention, I really think this is true about Stern. It's one thing that um, they get a lot of, you know, kind of kudos for the community. And that's not easy to build in a place like New York City. So, but I've heard this over and over again over the years. So I think she's smart to call that out because I don't know that everyone thinks of Stern for that, at least not on when they're first... Beginning that research
1: process, and that would be your biggest concern going to a, a, an MBA program in a big metropolitan area. Right, is the community, or is everybody just dispersed in that city? So it's not surprising that that's been a focus of Stern yeah. to overcome that. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, the other thing, Alex, you, you're—I know you're passionate about this. We ran an article about. Uh, the latest MBA ranking, which came from the Economist, which isn't your favorite <laughs> ranking, uh, even though I know it's a periodical that you like, um, but they're ranking you're you're less keen on. And so, for people who don't n- didn't see this or or you know just aren't keeping score with respect to rankings, um, the top ten were Harvard, Wharton, Kellogg, Columbia, MIT, Duke. HEC Paris, Stanford, Chicago Booth, and then Michigan rounds out that top 10. So, Alex, what what say you? I know we did a little article on the website with some takeaways, but what's your kind of main thoughts on the economist ranking?
1: Well, relative to their prior efforts, it's not bad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, you could argue that the first two in that list belong in the first two or three. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if you put Stanford number eight or nine or seven or whatever, then that in of itself, kind of ruins the, the charade or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you know, they've got some of the some of it right, but for a brand like The Economist, year in year out, they need to do a much better job with their rankings. Is my um, Perennial sort of feedback on this particular ranking, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting just because last year almost all the top schools abstained because of COVID, and they, you know, they're kind of cutting back yeah. on participating in these things. And now they're all back, and so they've, you know, kind of taken the top slots. But you're right; it's not quite um, this, the sort of ordering of schools that one would expect, but it's better than past rankings in terms of whether it's, you know, kind of matching up with what we see in other rankings and and opinions. So yeah, it is what it is. Um, the only other thing we've done on the website of late is we've started up our real numbers of MBA admissions series, and we started that with GMAT scores. And these are just pieces that we post where we try to collect, and organize, you know, numbers from, uh, across different programs in terms of admissions. So if you're curious about like average GMAT score, median GMAT score at all these top programs, you have kind of a one-stop shop on our website where you can see that stuff and there'll be more coming. We'll do GRE, we'll do, oh gosh, I can't even remember. There's a lot of, you know, uh, average, you know, age and, and percent international and, and all the kind of stats and things that people think about when it comes to admissions. So stay tuned for that, uh, Alex, not, yeah, go ahead. Not,
1: not to put you on the spot, Graham, but who's number one on average GMAT scores?
0: Ooh, I, you know what? Um, I looked at this earlier, and I want to say, was it Stanford? Uh, I will tell you. I mean, I know Stanford's at 738. I don't think anyone tops that. But I also i am not sure they've updated yet for this past season. And I know that it's a concern for their admissions team that that number is as high as it is uh Wharton was at 733 I think they might be you know kind of second place and then Harvard which I know people are curious about is more like 730 so those are the big those are the top um in terms of average scores those are the top three uh interesting you know Yale is at 730 as well so that you know it's it. Yeah. The, it's just amazing. Given when you and I took the GMAT, like the numbers that the averages have just gone really off the charts kind of. But <laughs> it is what it is.
1: No, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I was actually trying to look on the site for, for, for this article, Graham, and I'm going to call you out because the focus is on European schools. How about that?
0: What do you mean the focus is on europeans could that we have there are a bunch of them on the list or no
1: that's the real the real numbers piece is on gmat scores for european schools
0: oh that's we have sorry there's yeah we did one for um europe and one for the u s so there are two out oh, okay. there yeah Very yeah good. so we have one for Europe Very because good. yeah we just decided to do them as separate lists because the, yeah there's not as much overlap and they're pretty different so in any event yeah we have another one I'll, I'll... <laughs> it is interesting though
1: l b s at seven o eight and INSEAD at seven oh six but the point is as we've probably shared or on this podcast on a couple of occasions, European schools tend, you know, their average um, test scores tend to be slightly lower than their counterparts in the US. So that's always an interesting sort of data point.
0: And I think the European schools are not drinking the Kool-Aid quite as much when it comes to this emphasis on standardized testing. And some of that's because in many of the country, in many of the countries over here in Europe, there's less of a tradition of standardized testing, you know, so there, it's not like everyone in, you know, in, in France takes a test when they go off to university. It's a little different. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's that yeah. as well. But, um, but yeah, check out those articles. Just nice to be able to gather all this information rather than having to hop from one school's website to another. Um, so we have right. it all in one place. Uh, Alex, unless you had anything else for this week, I mean, I do want to remind people they can always email us at info at com, and we will write back. But other than that, Alex, if you don't have anything, we can probably move into our candidates for the week. I think we need to kick on. Yeah. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an apply wire entry and the candidate wants to start school in the fall of 23. They've got eight schools on their target list at the moment and those schools are Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Chicago, Washington Foster, and UCLA Anderson. And this person's been working in consulting and product management. Uh, within FinTech, it sounds like a little bit too. Uh, They would love to go into consulting or tech after business school, and they have Bain, uh, BCG, Deloitte, McKinsey, um, as well as like Square or some of these payments companies on their target list for employment after business school. GMAT score is a 710. The GPA is a perfect 4.0. They've got six years of work experience. They're located in Canada, but they'd love to settle in California or Seattle, Speaking of which, I remember once reading that the number of Canadians living in California would make, I think, would make for the second largest city in Canada if they were all to be assembled in terms of the population, or something something of that nature. I don't know if you've heard that, right. <laughs> that before. no. no. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this person, a couple of other notes. They're originally from Taiwan, uh, but they've been in Canada for the past ten years. They went to university there. Uh, you know, they or actually no, they went to university in Taiwan, but they did. Um, I think they did a master's in Canada at UBC yeah. and they received a really large scholarship. They're actually first-generation college student that came from kind of limited financial resources and, you know, th- there's a whole bunch of extracurriculars. We'll get into it. But, Alex, what do you make of this? Because on the surface, you say, you know, Taiwanese, Canadian, applying to top U.S. schools, 710, 4.0, six years of experience. So, what? yeah, where do you make of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, an interesting candidate in as much as that... Their their academic record looks really really strong, right? So from an undergrad to you know getting a really good scholarship, graduate work, doing very well, um, that that augurs um, very well um, for them. They're also first generation, yeah. so you know that that sort of adds an element of, of the. I'm not saying necessarily the struggle, but but it, it it makes their academic accomplishments even more sort of impressive. I think. Um, in that regard, um, so so that I like um, their their work experience um, is you know is probably quite good. I mean I'm I, I hate to qualify it like that, but it's sort of you know you're looking at sort of the CPA the you know on the accounting side and so on and so forth, and that's not typically perceived as the sort of the sexy side of whatever the business is right as as a CPA and accountant you're looking at. Um, you know how how's the business doing? Rather than um, strategizing and innovating at the front end of the business, um, so um, whether that's the case or not, they they need to make sure that that, that they come across. You know, obviously they they've been very successful in what they've done, but they've got to potentially overcome this potential stereotype that it's more mid office um, type work. Um, that they've been doing. What yeah. I really do like is their extracurriculars in as much as, you know, I, I believe, Graham, they're sort of helping sort of teach financial literacy yes. um, and so on and so forth. And this is going to be a function of, again, the fact that they themselves were first-generation um, college-goer, so they're giving back. They're obviously, they've got that expertise in in, in sort of, you know, on, on the accounting side to teach that financial literacy. Um, so I really like that. The only downside to all that, though, Graham, is it, it, it sort of na- almost narrows the focus of who they are. I like, I'd like to also hear that maybe they're, they're a drummer in a band or something, yeah. I, something completely different. Uh, maybe it's a hobby and an interest that's different that sort of shows a little bit more breadth. Um, yeah. so, so I would just be a little cautious of that. Um, the 710 GMAT doesn't pop. Um, it's good. There's no doubt 7.10 GMAT is good, despite the, the numbers that we see, the average of the top schools that, that you, you articulate a little bit earlier, Graham. Um, is it good enough for some of these top schools? Um, should we be seeing a 7.30 or a 7.40 GMAT? I mean, you, you could make that argument. They'd have a quite a good spread. Of schools that they're targeting, so they've got the very best, and they've got the the next tier and the next tier and the next tier represented. So maybe that strategy is quite good. Um, they've got to probably consider targeting the first rounds, see where the chips fall, and make adjustments potentially for the second round. The biggest thing that's a concern to them, and and they'll certainly need to address, is is, is probably their age at thirty three they're gonna to have to overcome a couple of issues. One is to really show that they're gonna be an active, engaged, involved student. The stereotype of the older student is they're less engaged in right. some of the fluffy stuff, or I wouldn't call it fluffy stuff, but you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, just outside um, activities. Yeah. Less engaged in the outside activities. So make sure they overcome that, um, that's important. And make sure they can justify why now is the right time for them to embark on this um, journey. And again, for an older candidate, that can be a little bit trickier too.
0: Yeah, this is, I mean, th- that was the thing that jumped out at me the most was just, you know, th- they came from Taiwan, a couple years of grad school maybe, and then they've been working for a while. And so, yeah, they're 33. And I the thing I worry about is, yeah, I see a 710 GMAT, which is great, but it's below average at most of the schools that they're targeting. And so, yeah, I did wonder if this is a male or female candidate, because, you know, obviously um, there are fewer females working in kind of finance. And so that would be more that would kind of add a, a layer of, of kind of interest here. But I I, I don't know. They didn't say. Right. Um, I think right. it would have been good. Yeah. Like you said, if they had like an out of the ballpark kind of GMAT result, then they would sort of jump off the page and you'd say, wow, this is an older candidate. But if they you know presenting very sound kind of career goals and stuff, let, let's take them in. They've got great numbers. And they seem like they know what they want, and they're gonna, you know, fit right in. But it's it's unclear to me that they're ticking all those boxes yet. And so, it's you know certainly on the GMAT, but even even in the kind of spe- sort of specificity of what they want to do next, and and how they're gonna take advantage of the MBA. So my first thought when I looked at their list of schools was, even on the kind of lower end of their list, will those schools take them or not? I I think I, I if I were a betting man. I don't know that I would feel a hundred percent comfortable with this list. Like I, I recognize, you know, they've got Foster, they've got UCLA, which are very different um, in terms of, you know, admissions odds with, say, Harvard um, or Stanford on their list. But even still, I sort of was wondering, do they need anything else? But yeah, I you know, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but I. I, and I don't know if they want it. Did they talk with you about whether they're going to take the test again or no?
1: No, I mean, I, I don't think we know that. Um, but I agree with you at that, at the bottom of that end of their um, uh, list of target schools, they probably need to select one or two more programs from that tier.
0: Yeah, I would feel um, better
1: about it. Perhaps be a little little bit less ambitious with their, what I would might qualify as very reach schools and maybe target one or two M7. One or two top 16 and one or two or three in that following tier. And again, it sort of really depends. Is Do they have to go to school this year or can they wait? The fact that they're 33 grand, it's really, you know, as as the years march on, it's going to become more and more tricky. So, yeah. Um, they really need to make sure that they have a program that's going to admit them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was thinking maybe Marshall or McCombs could be a couple yeah. that they might want to look at um, to just add yeah, yeah. to that band. Yeah. But in any event, I want to thank them for submitting their profile to the site. Very interesting stuff. And and I just, I love the diversity of kind of profiles that we get to review. And and this is a different one, you know, someone from another country, but they've worked a while. So we're dealing with a a few different factors here. But again, I think if they put together really fantastic applications, you know, they'll hit somewhere, but it'd be nice for them to definitely, uh, yeah, kind of think about that list carefully, as you say, and not overweight it towards the top. So, yeah. um, So thanks for that. Yeah.
1: And also, just to recognize, they've done. Outstandingly in their academic pursuits, which you know, hats off, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, just recognize that the MBA admissions um, process is that's one element of several elements that they, they've they really got to shine at. So, yeah, and, exactly. and uh, th- they'll know that I'm not t- telling them stuff that they wouldn't or, or ordinarily know, but hat tip to outstanding academics. And totally. yeah, if there's a higher GMAT, that might help a little bit more sort of spread on on the schools they're applying. um, That should help too. They've got to show impact. yeah. And I like their extracurriculars, but I'd like to see a little bit of another dimension in terms of who they are.
0: Agreed. All right. So let's move on uh, and talk about our next candidate, which is Wiretaps candidate number two. So Alex, you've selected another ApplyWire entry and it's a person, again, targeting fall of 23. So they're gonna be working on their applications now and in the coming months. They've got Berkeley, Cornell, ESE, Michigan, Kellogg, Chicago Booth, UCLA, and Yale on the target list. So that's uh, eight schools, um, some range there. They've been working in M&A consulting within a, a a large publicly traded firm, wealth management firm, And they'd love to do entrepreneurship after business school. And we'll get into that because they have a specific sort of plan in mind. Their GRE is a 320 and their GPA is a 3.19. Let's be generous and call it a (laughs) 3.2. They have five years of work experience spread across a few different companies, uh, starting in a kind of rotational program. Uh, with a I guess they it was like a finance uh, management development program at a fortune 500 company that happens to be a, a department store chain, like retailer and then they moved into sort of more pure finance working uh, middle office for hedge funds trading over-the-counter products and, and then they moved to Chicago and continued their career um, kind of in, in finance vein uh, so in any event they're um, currently doing middle market uh, M&A consulting for middle market business owners and they also have kind of a, a job at a think tank. And I'm not, what's unclear to me is whether it's w- within the same structure or whether these are totally two different jobs, but they got a lot going on and it's all pretty finance focused. Uh, the other thing that they talk about is for their goals, they talk about wanting to take their kind of M&A as well as, you know, they have some supply chain experience from that first job, presumably, and, and they really want to... Uh, Acquire and then run a business, and and so they talk about something called a search fund, which we we'll can have a little discussion about. Um, they they use an acronym called ETA, which we can define in a moment. But but let's step back though, Alex. What do you, what did you make of this candidate's post? And yeah, where where do we start with this one?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got to imagine their work experience. Uh, you know, they they've sort of navigated a bit of a pathway and. Um, you know, two or three different positions to get to where they are now. As long as they've shown impact where they've been, some progression, it sounds quite good what they've done, I I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's very good, but certainly on the positive side. Um, I'm a little bit concerned with this GPA. 3.2 does actually sound a lot better than (laughs) 3.19 though, Graham. I do like that. Yeah, rounding up, yes, very, very good. Um, but, you know, they, their explanation for that GPA was, you know, they're, they're a family of eight kids. They had to finance their their time through college. Um, so that I can understand. And the admissions committee will have some um, sympathy for that. Um, there's no doubt. They also took on several leadership roles in undergrad. Um, that can be a little bit of a double-edged sword because you could argue, well, did you, w- was that a good use of your time? If if it compromised some of your grades or whatever it might be, so so I'd be a little tread a little bit carefully on um, in that regard. Um, but when you combine that with the three hundred and twenty GRE, which is a bit of a ho hum score, um, and again, especially with the the, the programs that they're targeting, um, it's within range. But when you when you're low end of the range for your test score and for your GPA, um, that's not going to serve you well. Fortunately, they are planning to retake the GRE, and they're going to target a 325, or at least that's realistically what they think they can target. So that will look a little bit better. Um, Whether they need to do MBA math or HBS core or whatever to really show that they're prepared and ready, that might be something for for them to explore, um, to sort of really round out that sort of um, the numbers side of the equation. Um, so, if they but if they can do that, I make, get the adcom comfortable with the numbers. Then you know they've got a lot more opportunity throughout. You know, with with the admissions process. So they want to start up a search fund. They want to do this entrepreneurship through acquisition. Note how clever I am now, Graham. I know what ETA
0: <laughs> yeah, means. Yeah, but that's I because I told you what it meant I... right before we came on the air, no? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> so, yeah, just, yeah, a little simple lesson, making sure the jargon is, is understandable and stuff like that. We, we we hark on that quite a lot. But, but, yeah, I think there's some remedial stuff that this candidate can do to increase their overall profile um, for sure, Graham.
0: Yeah, and actually, I'm going to just take a pause here because I know when I was starting business school, I didn't know what a search fund was, and it's actually, you know, something that's come into vogue more. But the basic principle for those tuning in who are not, you know, don't have a lot of entrepreneurial experience is sometimes you want to be an entrepreneur. You really want to run a business and, and provide a vision, but you don't have an idea uh to you know for for a product or a service or whatever it might be and so what you do is you go out and you convince investors that you'd be great at running a business, even though you don't have an idea for a business yourself. And so you um, typically target a certain uh, sector and, 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 you know, you kind of raise money so that you can go and acquire a company that you think, you know, has a lot of growth potential and that with your leadership uh, could be sort of um, made bigger, better, faster, stronger, that kind of thing. So that's the idea. And that's what this person wants to do. Uh, I agree with you though. I have a really, you know, when I look at that list of schools, which, you know, for the most part are, you know, they're all top 16 type U.S. schools in And then you've got ESA, which is arguably kind of a top five European school. Uh, I worry about the numbers, you know, and and I I know they're going to retake the GRE. But right now, that 320 uh, GRE and a a 3.19 GPA probably don't cut it for me. I mean, I'm assuming this is kind of a, uh, you know, kind of somebody working in finance. They're in Chicago uh, potentially overrepresented in the pool. I mean, hard. they didn't give us much detail on that, but I'm kind of guessing here. So I do worry that they may have a kind of, the the list of schools may not line up as well as it could with the kind of qualifications. And the other thing that I was a little nervous about is they've had a lot of different positions in a fairly short period of time. So five years of experience, but I think they've worked at three, if not maybe even four different um places. So I, I would want clarity on that from them. Cause maybe that's, maybe I'm misreading that, but so there, there are some concerns here. And so my, my initial thought was, gee, is this the right list of schools? And I wondered about, yeah, just whether or not there might be some other places. And I, I don't know if it's a, you know, UNC or, you know, there might be other programs that could give them the tools they need to go and raise um, the capital as a part of their search fund, but that maybe aren't, you know, so competitive on the admissions front or, you know, that are more in line with the numbers that they bring to the table. Now I'm willing to wait and see like what happens with the GRE when they retake it. And I really hope that they hit it out of the park and, and can actually have an outsized GRE, not just an average. Cause I know they mentioned, Oh, I'm going to try to hit the average. And I was thinking, well, with that GPA, it'd be good to actually go above and beyond. So, so we'll see what happens, but I, yeah, it's just an interesting case. Cause I I'm buying their goals. Like, it's really interesting. They have a clear clear path, know what they want to do. Um, but the numbers aren't lining up for me yet with this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of quick things, Graham, um, that current role is a dual role. So that's sort of not, not saying it's necessarily confusing, but they're, they're doing some M and consulting and they're doing some, um, think tank work, but I presume both of those activities are for the same business. Um, so, um, for that consulting role, um, I'll throw one question back to you, Graham. Let's say they come back with a 325 GRE. Um, Let's say they've got a really good sort of professional narrative. They they can Mm -hmm. tie all that together in their goals. Um, Do they need to do additional remedial work to shore up these numbers, like MBA Math or HBS Core? Or are are they good at that stage? Or, Or I should, rather than ask it that way, would doing MBA core and MBA math or HBS core have a positive impact?
0: I think it would because even if they end up with a stellar test score, I think it would demonstrate a desire for them to kind of um, provide a little bit of a boost or what we would call an alternative transcript yeah. to the 3.19 GPA. So yeah, I would be in favor of them doing that. I know they're probably moaning as they listen to this saying, oh no, you know, I don't I don't really want to have to take even more time to do this stuff, but I, I feel like it would help. And, yeah. you know, the beauty of getting a high test score would be they can make that case, you know, oh, that was then when I was in college, I had, you know, a lot of things that I was juggling, but this is now look at this test score that's definitely within your range. And, and I just took HBS core and look at how well I
1: did and that kind of thing. Yeah, but the, the, the test needs to be over the average. I think so. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see a test score above average. Yeah. 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 So, so, so yeah, I, I think if they do HBS core or MBA math in addition, it can't hurt. I mean, it's going to cost them some hours and some money. Um, but but it might absolutely sort of help shore that stuff up. Uh, yeah. But wish them the very best of luck.
0: Yeah, I yeah. want to thank them for posting and, and hopefully they're tuning in, getting all this advice and can can weigh in further on the, on the post on the website if they like. Um, Alex, let's move on and get to our final candidate for this week, which is uh, Wiretaps candidate number three. So this is another ApplyWire entry, uh, and this candidate has a list of six schools, and those schools are... Um, University of Georgia, Georgia Tech, Indiana Kelly, Penn State Smeal, Rochester Simon, and Vanderbilt Owen. Uh, They want to start school um, in the fall. Uh, Look, they actually put 2022, but I'm I'm thinking they're probably applying this summer to start in the fall of 23. We don't know for sure. Uh, They've been working in marketing and communications, They'd love to get into consumer goods or maybe even entrepreneurship, and the companies that they list are Nestle, Pepsi, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, kind of the usual big big CPG companies. They have a fantastic GRE score of 330, um, and then they have a below average GPA, 2.8. They've got nine years of work experience. They're located in the USA, um, but we think there's a connection to Nigeria based on some digging we did or maybe some of the conversations you had with them too. Uh, in any event after business school, they'd love to land in either Washington D.C., Seattle, or Canada. So pretty specific targets there. Uh, yeah, Alex, what do you make of this candidacy? Because there's kind of a you know that test score is off the charts, but then the GPA is a bit low. Yeah. Uh, we think they're an international student, um, but yeah, what what's yeah what do you what do you make of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, this isn't the sort of candidate we typically um, get for for this podcast, but it's an interesting. Um, um, case study, and maybe there are more folks out there um, in this regard. So they have a really good test score, three thirty on the GRE, and a very mediocre GPA. Um, so on the surface, that that looks to me like someone that's very smart when they want to apply themselves. Right. Um, but over the long haul, they've not proven that they have the stamina to 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 to, to keep at it. Right, So that's mm-hmm. kind of the stereotype of, of someone that has that imbalance of, of numbers. Um, so they need to overcome that stereotype, and there's a few ways for them to do that. One is explain the context of that GPA, and it's, it sounds like you know, they, they had to pay for their schooling, so they were distracted with work, and so on and so forth. That'll help a little bit, but again, the GPA is at 2.8, although that might be a conversion, if it's an international transcript, yes. So they need to also um, furnish maybe their class rank, so so we can get a better gauge on that, or the AdCom can get a ba- better gauge on that. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Um, but 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 again, the three hundred and thirty GRE tells me they're smart. Um, so they've got to balance that then with the fact that they're willing to 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 to, to you know spend the time, do well um, in their academics for for the MBA. Um, they're nine years of experience, so they're a bit of an outlier in that regard too. So they're going to have to really nail the why now um, aspect of the of the um, of the narrative, as well as to show again, just like the first candidate, that they will fully immerse themselves in the complete MBA experience. Um, so they're going to have to do that. They'll have to do the typical things like showing impact and growth at work, and so on and so forth, um, just, just like other candidates, but Graham, they're not being overly ambitious in their target programs, right? And, you know, it's fair to say that they're targeting sort of top 20 to top 30 um, in terms of the schools they, they've listed. And I would argue those types of programs are gonna focus a bit more on the test score um, than, than other variables, and, you know, on a relative scale to, to programs that are in, in higher tiers. My point being, that three thirty on the GRE is probably going to have a higher impact um, at these types of schools um, than, than one might think, and so 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 it should be really really helpful. Um, should they target a couple of schools in in that sort of top sixteen, top twenty? I think I would if they have a good narrative to back it up. Yeah. Um, but but I do think that. Types of schools they're targeting, that 330 GMAT is going to go quite a long way.
0: Yeah, and I think what you're saying is that, you know, when a a school that's, you know, a little bit further down in the ranking is not used to getting a lot of 330, you know, scores, they might get excited. Also, if this person is uh, international, maybe we think maybe from Nigeria, you know, it's another kind of feather in their cap in terms of being able to demonstrate um, some, some interesting international diversity, bringing in a great test score. So there are some things that could make them appealing. And I think you make a brilliant point about the GPA because if it is from a school, uh, let's say in Nigeria and, and maybe this candidate was like ranked in the top ten percent and that's just there's no grade inflation or there's a curve, or you know, or who knows how the grading's done. And so maybe the two eight isn't quite as low as it seems to the kind of, you know, US focused eye. Yeah. Um, so that's something to think about. I will say though, they are older. Uh, and so that you know, we talked about with the first candidate today. You know, being a little bit older means you gotta demonstrate fit and yeah. a desire to contribute. So they gotta do that. Um <clears throat> I think For me, the big thing that was missing, too, is we just didn't get a lot of information about their current work experience as well as their kind of future plans. I mean, we know they've set up a business as a kind of side thing. We know they're working in marketing communications, but we didn't get much beyond that. It sounds like it could be fine, and they have a very clear set of goals in terms of, like, what firms they might want to target. But I just want to know, like, more about... What do they want to do at one of these companies? If they go to Unilever, is it because they want to help, um, I don't know, be head of, uh, you know, chief marketing officer for Europe, Middle East and Africa um, for Unilever or something? I I don't know, but I'm just, it'd be good for them to figure that out and they could share it on the website with us if they'd like, but at minimum, it's got to get into their essays. So yeah, so this is a bit of a wild card. I just don't know what to make of the candidacy. I wanted to ask you, do you think they're applying to that next band of schools because, they're worried about their GPA or do you think they're thinking, oh, if I go to one of these schools, I'll get better scholarship funds as an international than I might at a
1: top school? Yeah, it's possibly the latter. Um, I would say, and I know we've sort of run out of time, but they really wanna do MBA math or HBS core. Mm -hmm. If they do that, combine it with their GRE 330, that's really gonna help overcome this 2.8. They have taken a little bit of additional coursework um but but it's not been outstanding so do mba math hbs core shore things up yeah. show impact show growth and yeah um that 330 gre will be very helpful yeah agreed
0: all right so as you said we've kind of run long this week uh, i feel like alex we could probably make hour long shows every week and we don't we just need to learn to, yeah. <laughs> to shut we would up be every be once the in a while get yeah, that that's probably true. So, um, all right. So I really appreciate you picking these out. We'll do it all again next week. Uh, I want to wish everyone a very happy 4th of July if you're still listening this late in the episode. Um, so enjoy the celebrations. And Alex, yeah, we'll see you in one week's time.
1: Brilliant. Take care, everyone. Stay safe.